suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother JS to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Welcome tonight to episode 106 of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things entitled Air Hitler, and I don't mean Herr Hitler. No, we're going to discuss a cornucopia of stupidities perpetrated by the Fuhrer. I'll, I'll try to keep it to a dozen or so, and that will give us a complete picture of Air Hitler and Nazi Germany. There's an English proverb, um, to air is human, but to forgive is divine. And, and we're going to ignore the second half of this axiom because we're discussing this megalomania, the megalomaniacal Adolf Hitler, a man responsible for perhaps as many as 50 million deaths. And, and still to this day, it's an incomprehensible, unknowable, incalculable amount of human suffering that he created. And all the result of a calculated, organized, monstrous machinery of death constructed for a single purpose, the commission of atrocities. So we're not, we're not going to forgive Hitler a single thing. He was simply a monster. Now, Chairman Mao is probably responsible for more total human deaths than Hitler do Mao's insane programs. His insane programs included things like the Great Leap Forward and his cultural revolution that he ordered implemented in communist China. But it remains, you know, possible, but only narrowly so, to argue that the author of the Little Red Book didn't intend his policies might kill tens of millions of people. No, he only intended, the leader did, and he was perfectly okay with his policies being put into place, certain that they would kill millions of people on purpose. He was okay with that. So with this tiny by the skin of his teeth distinction, we establish Hitler as the far more murderous, a far worse virus on the body of humanity than was Chairman Mao. Now, the intentionality of the lethality of his murderous policies is the factor that separates these homicidal madmen. And I, I believe we can best appreciate Mao's complete and total indifference to any human life but his own when he informed what, what had to be a stunned and just terrified Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev during the height of the Cold War when he told Khrushchev he was willing to accept a hundred million or more Chinese deaths in the event there be a nuclear showdown with the West. <laughs> now, Khrushchev he was a very tough, very hardened man. He himself had, 
had made very tough decisions and saw horrors at Stalingrad. And he had lived through these absolute horrors of, of, of Stalingrad that went on for months where, where even petrified dogs could take no more and willingly flung themselves, you know, leapt of their own accord into the freezing waters of the Volga in a mad suicidal effort to escape the madness of Stalingrad and swim across the river to relative safety. And these were the dogs, you know, to escape the clamorous, the deafening, ear-splitting terror-induced you know, by sounds of guns that wrought biblical destruction upon the city. And it was named after that fearless, paranoid, homicidal maniac, Joseph Stalin. And it was reported that men who had their eardrums blown out were happy because they could no longer and, and wanted no longer to hear the sounds of violence. Forget about Simon and Garfunkel's sounds of silence. These were the sounds of violence. Stalingrad. Stalin had to hold it, and Hitler had to have it. But even Khrushchev, who who knew death and had been on intimate terms with death, he just had to be rattled at this news. I mean, to be totally freaked out by Mao's indifference to and and willingness to sacrifice so many fellow human lives while in hot pursuit of that, you know, that ultimate aphrodisiac that proves power. And, And Mao, he even loved power more than he liked little girls. And this is saying something. I mean, this hundred million live stuff just had to give the Soviet premier pause, no doubt about it. The man, Khrushchev, who once told the Western press that whenever he wished to cause the West pain, he just squeezed their testicles, Berlin. What in God's name did did Russia have on its southern border with China? Whoa. And, and, and we thought it was the Russians that placed so little value on human life. We have no idea. Statement, statement like Stalin's poetic, one death is a tragedy and a million deaths just a t- statistic. Nothing clears the mind like knowing one is to be hanged in the morning. And Stalin and Mao knew all about hanging people in the morning. So having recognized the extent of the evil present in Mao and Stalin, we return to simply history's baddest man ever. Yes, more more terrible, worse than Ivan the Terrible, Vlad the Impaler, um, worse than Attila the Hun and and Genghis Khan. And and that's saying something, really. So we're going to focus on Adolf Hitler in an attempt to identify, forget about his emotional problems, not his pathological proclivities, which are obvious. No, we're rather going to focus on his stupidities, the magnitude of his errors in a man who really did believe himself to be a military genius on par with Alexander the Great, Caesar, and Napoleon. And he certainly proved 
he was not of their caliber. He, he, he may have been a fabulous liar, a propagandist, and a bullshit artist. He was very good at that, no doubt about it. But Hitler thought himself a superior intellect in all aspects of life. He was just a genius, a superman. Well, not so fast. And this was th because this was not true. He was a corporal whom weirdly, weirdly, post-World War I, attended social gatherings, social events, carrying a bullwhip. Come on now. This, and, and by the way, this was an odd accoutrement to bring to a cocktail party, even in the freewheeling 1920s Weimar Republic of Germany bringing a bullwhip as an accoutrement. Women especially thought this was a very, very odd behavior. But, or so, this is probably a good place to begin because we see the first inklings that a not untalented Hitler wasn't able to get the full picture of things. He just wasn't. He is the perfect case an example of a person suffering from what's known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. That is a cognitive bias whereby people of just modest ability, limited expertise, limited knowledge, they overestimate the true scope of their abilities, their capacities, their knowledge, their ability to grasp the true nature of things because they simply... They don't know what needs to be known. They don't know the circumference of the space that is their ignorance. They just don't. In true Socratic fashion, mentally healthy people understand that as one gains in knowledge, that circle of knowledge permits one to comprehend that there is simply so, so much more to be learned. Socrates suggested that the more one knows, the more one knows the scope of their own ignorance. This was Hitler's fundamental intellectual error. Forget his moral depravity for a second. I know that's very hard to do, but forget it for a moment if possible. Hitler refused to recognize the scope of what he did not know. This led him to make stupid decisions on behalf of Nazi Germany. He spent little time studying the logistics of warfare, for example. And this, is, this would turn into huge, it would pose Germany massive critical problems. You know, that ancient maxim, for want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, a rider was lost. For the want of a rider... The message was lost for the want of a message. A battle was lost for the want of the kingdom. For the want of a battle, a kingdom was lost. And all that for want of a nail. All this was lost on Hitler. The Fuhrer did not get the picture. So Hitler sent his armies, totaling 3.2 million men. I mean, imagine... 3,000 men per mile from Denver to Chicago. That's what 3.2 million men is. He sent them east into the Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia on June 22nd, 1941. Completely, inadequately provisioned 
without proper winter gear because Hitler never thought the logistics of war all the way through. And despite the offensive advances that were made by German forces in 1942, the next three years, the, the Russians drove the Germans and their allies relentlessly, murderously, ruthlessly back westward until in 1945, in May of 1945, Berlin collapsed, totally imploded. And the Red Army raped an estimated 2 million women in in beating down the German forces. Hitler committed suicide. Germany collapsed. No, really, what happened was it imploded. Hitler never studied history sufficiently. As as British General Montgomery, Bernard Montgomery, once wrote, the, the, the first rule of war is never make war in Russia. Hitler ignored this rule. And what's weird about this is Hitler had two specific examples of military disaster from the relatively recent historical past to consider before he ordered his Wehrmacht to Moscow. Charles XII of Sweden, Charles the Great, had a disastrous 1707 uh, outcome. His decision to embark upon an autumnal and winter campaign in the harsh conditions of Russia compounded by a Russian czar whom suffered absolutely no qualms in engaging in a scorched earth defense strategy, burning down everything in front of Charles' army as it advanced toward Moscow, which led to you know, the Swedish forces' destruction in detail at the Battle of Poltava in 1709. They were simply crushed. And and this decisive, legendary defeat in detail at Poltava ended the Swedish Empire for good. The Vikings, Charles the Great and all that, gone, all gone forever. Well, for the last 313 years, anyhow. Now, This is something Hitler might want to have studied, thought through more thoroughly if he had thought it through at all. And it's not clear that he did think about it. What exactly might be the implications on Nazi Germany should Hitler decide to proceed with his plans to invade Russia to obtain for the German people, those supermen, all that Lebensraum would offer. No, he he failed to take the Swede disaster into account at all. You know, one can not extrapolate much from a single data point. In fact, you shouldn't conclude anything from a single data point. You need at least two data points to begin to make sense of things. For fortunately, for Hitler, for Adolf Hitler, that data was available for his analysis. It existed thanks to Napoleon's calamitous decision made 103 years post Charles the Great's destruction, loss of his army, loss of his empire at the hands of the Russians after his fateful decision to, you know, to roll the dice, to risk it all in an ill-advised decision to invade Russia. 
Napoleon inexplicably made the same mistake as Charles XII. And he did study history, so he should have known better. He, you know, Napoleon at least fought a tenacious battle at Borodino, after which he and his grand army marched on to Moscow, arriving there just in time to witness firsthand the unbelievable sight of Moscow burning, being burnt to the ground after the ruthless order of the retreating Tsar Alexander. Does this seem familiar to you? Yes, it does. And Napoleon now shockingly found his army had no enemy to fight. There was no enemy troops around in which to engage, and there was no food to be found. The fires in Moscow would rage for six days. So effectively had the orders of the Tsar been carried out to a murderous tea, a destructive tea. Later, while he was living on the island of Elba, later Napoleon admitted that he dawdled. He hung out without purpose too long in Moscow before beginning his hurried, frantic, harried, desperate retreat back to France. And Napoleon then would witness and watch agonizingly as his once unmatched, unequaled, unbeaten Graham army was destroyed within weeks, done in by a, a, a lethal combination of malnutrition, illness of all kinds, typhus, suicide, brigandage, he was beaten in battles in which the French forces, the army that he controlled, lacked forces, ammunition, guns, horses, supplies. A complete disaster. And by the time the 620,000 men of the Grand Army that had invaded Russia under Napoleon's direction, they, by the time they returned in 1812 to France, more than a half a million of these soldiers now lay dead. In short order, the French Empire of Napoleon would be no more. No more. Napoleon soon found himself forced to abdicate his crown for residency on the small desert isle of Elba in the Mediterranean and the Bourbon king, the obese Louis XVIII, a man, a man that saw fit to have in his employ a gentleman servant whose only, whose sole responsibility, sole duty was to push in the king's chair as he sat down to engorge himself at table. Oh my God. Louis had returned to the throne of a geographically much smaller, greatly humbled France after the disaster that Napoleon had caused. So, Hitler indeed did have a couple of data points from which he might extrapolate the future of Nazi Germany should he give the fateful order to invade Russia. Hitler, the self-proclaimed greatest military genius ever, he ignored all of history. He ignored it all. But ignoring history does not mean that history will ignore you. As the great Spanish poet, philosopher, thinker, Santayana once so famously noted, those who don't 
study history are bound to repeat it. Ah, a Hitlerian mistake of massive lethal proportion to him, his soldiers, his people, and his state. The Third Reich went down. But as with most incompetence, they fail to understand their own incompetency. It's a unique part of incompetency. And, and if one is so afflicted, they don't admit error. They never admit error because they do not appreciate the nature of their error. Anything that goes wrong is not their fault. Somebody else has erred. Err Hitler. They have not erred. Not them. They simply cannot admit their mistakes. They just can't. And such people are a menace to society, and none more so than was Adolf Hitler. And, and, and it is shocking that in a society as cultured as was Germany, as intellectually advanced as Germany, with a proud military heritage of longstanding and devoted to the art, the craft, the science of military strategy, that Hitler was able to somehow his bull, to bully his way to the top of this society and exercise such flawed judgment as he did, it's still shocking in scope and hard even to this day to imagine how he did this. And that's ignoring his astonishing absence of morality, humanity, ethics, I mean, we're just going to ignore that completely. But as we will see in future podcasts, Adolf Hitler was prone to err. And when he erred, he erred. And he erred a lot. And when he erred, he erred in spectacular fashion. And it is on these errors of Hitler that we will focus in our next podcast. So thanks for listening. Hope you feel better about the world after these disasters, and we look forward to you tuning in to our next adventure. Thank you. Goodbye. Inside came just yesterday made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Time can't be returned Misguided and all of my own At least that's what I thought I failed to see that I've been I miss what was in front of me Two eyes that can't make you see It's the mind that paints all these pictures
pictures Like the mirage of the deserts I misread all the signals I never knew that I'd been lost I thought ghosts from way back in my past never knew how much it Mistakes, just things that I've done I can tell and I've broken the heart Can she forgive me? Can she forget? Can she keep us from falling apart? I hope that she knows that I meant no harm My demons, they led me astray I trust that she will open her Another great